0: Good morning. good morning. It is so good to see you guys. Uh, my name is Eric Montoya. If you don't know me, Pastor the Grove, and we're thrilled you're here. Um, four years, man, it's um, unbelievable that it's already been four years. Um, I'm so excited for today and what it means and uh, to us as a church, as a community, and it's awesome. And then, hey, it's nine o'clock. I've been dreaming about this service for two years, okay? It's taken us about two years to, to be able to, to get this ready and going, and uh, I'm, I'm really excited for this, the fact that we'll have two options now for people to come. And hey, football fans, isn't this a great? You can come watch, come to service and then still make the early game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> couple in here. All right. I thought that was brilliant. I think we're going to use that as a strategy next week to get some people to come out to the, the early service. So um, hey, we're, we're thrilled you're here. I want to say welcome to all those tuning in on uh, Facebook Live. or listening to the podcast. Thanks for listening. Uh, we know you're going to enjoy service today also. We're, we're thrilled that you're here, all those in the theater. Um, four years. Man, I can't believe it. It's good. Hey, small groups, uh, let me just put one more plug in there for this because this is really important. This is a really important part of our church because we meet in the theater. We're, we're, uh, one, we meet one time a week here, and then throughout the week, we're meeting together in groups and communities, and this is important because this is how we get connected to one another. Um, it's, it's, it's really important. If you're new to the faith, there's a group called Starting Point. Um, if you want to learn more about that or maybe you've been on this journey, you haven't, you haven't been in church for a long time, Starting Point would be a great group to jump in if you're in Interested about. That's it. one of our shortest groups that takes place during the semester, but the rest of them are about somewhere between t- 10 and 12 weeks long. And so, um, um, yeah, make sure you get in the group. It's awesome. Uh, I love the groups. Every every uh, semester we have one in the in the fall, and I want, uh, another semester in the in the spring. And then in the summer, sometimes we'll do some fun groups. and Different groups take place that are shorter. Uh, but that's just our, our kind of a rhythm for for our church. Is we have groups that start, they're start and stop. And so it's a great time to, to join in. And here's the thing too: if you ever get in a group and it's not your for you, hey, no pressure. Uh, we want you to get in a group that you would you would enjoy, you would love, and give it give it an opportunity a try out to see what it what it's like. And I promise you'll build some great relationships, and you'll grow, and you'll be challenged, and it'll be really, really good. All right. Hey, so we're in a series. Uh, we're wrapping it up today. It's called Made for Mondays. Um, I've, I've really enjoyed this series. I hope you have too. Um, and the reason we talk, talk about Made for Mondays is the, uh, the whole month of September is because I found this stat that talks about um, p- people in the U.S. and when it comes to their jobs, what they think about their jobs. And here's what the statistics show us, all right? 13% of Americans feel good about their work. Like, they like it. They, 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 they like the fit. They like where they're at. Um, 63 do not. They are unhappy with their job. And when I say unhappy, they feel like they're sleepwalking through their job. They're on autopilot. just doesn't fulfill whatever. They're just, they're just not there. And then 24% of people, and this is a scary number, hate their job. Uh, Take their job to the point of sabotage and making it making it bad. And I learned this about businesses is is employees is what costs companies the most money a lot of times uh, because of their lack of work or because of the lack of ethics or whatever. So if you find yourself in that position, I would say, man, get a new job or get a new outlook is the the, the series is about uh, so you can you can figure out how to enjoy your job. And we, So we said if the majority of people either don't like their job, um, have issues with their job, and then a few more don't hate their job, um, especially for us, what would that look like if we addressed that a little bit and said, what would it look like if we approached maybe work a little differently? What if we, instead of dreading Mondays, and like we said the second week, wanted to punch it in the face, we'd actually go in ready for a great day? What would that look like? And so we, we've been talking about this, what that would be to, to be engaged, um, and not just engaged, but to see that where you're at in life, a lot of times this is exactly where God wants you to be. Sometimes it's not. And sometimes you need to get to a different place, and, uh, sometimes, but sometimes it is. And when it's hard, you might be thinking, like, why would he give me such a hard um, um, a challenge or a hard role? Well, I think he believes in you that much. That's probably why. And so he wants you to, to make a difference. So the first week, I'm just going to review a couple of weeks of what we talked about. And now I'm going to jump into today's, today's uh, talk for what, what the last part of the series. Um, the first question we asked was this, what business are you really in? Because uh, here's the thing we have to define is we have to approach everything in life understanding there's a bigger story being told. And when we forget that, um, when we forget what, what the story that we're in, sometimes we begin to um, get discouraged or distracted, and, and it becomes... The emotions become overwhelming, and they, they challenge us, and they make work and family and everything else not fun. Um, but if you have the bigger perspective, and we said, what business are you really in? The answer really is the people business, because God is in the people business. And no matter what your role is in, in work, um, whether it's in parenting also, it's not just a role, but it's, it's, it has to do with people, right? Um, and we said, what would it look like if we took our roles and responsibilities serious and said, God, how can we see that you have a bigger story that's being told that we can be a part of that? And we said this, that we can't control what others do, but we can control how we respond. Um, and here's the problem, is that too many of us focus on what we can't control, which is others and what they're doing, and too few of us actually focus on what we can control, which is our response or the things we're doing. Um, and, and so this series is saying, why don't we, instead of focusing on what we can't control, which we're going to talk about today, a big part of that, and let's, t- let's focus on what we can control, which is the majority and the larger part of our life. And so that was kind of the first week of saying – Let's, let's, let's approach work and approach our responsibilities, our roles, maybe with a different mindset. Uh, so the second week, we talked about attitude. I enjoyed this message so much. I te- uh, team-taught my wife, and we had a fun time just sharing. Um, we said attitude is a position you take, right, in life. It's a position. And is that position position you for a positive outcome or a negative outcome? Because um, rarely are we like this. We're either up or we're down. Um, and if you're like this, you're, at any moment, you could actually begin to um, have a negative outcomes if you're not – Careful. So we said attitude is really important. Something very small it makes a big difference. Make sure you understand that your attitude is positioning you for uh, things in life. And then last week, we talked about generosity. And uh, we said gener- generosity is a heart issue. Because uh, here's the truth. Being generous doesn't start at a certain age, and it doesn't start at a certain level of income. It starts in the heart. Um, and the reason we use money is because that gets to the heart very quickly. Uh, but generosity is not just to do with money. It also has to do with our time, with our talents, with, with what we have, our, our relationships. How can we be generous with that? Because uh, the truth is, if you're not generous before you reach a certain age, or if you're not generous before you reach a certain amount of money uh, making it, you're not going to be generous when you do. That's just the reality because uh, your heart is what drives that, not the, the, not the number not the numbers. And so we said, what if, what if we were the kind, and the word we'd like to use in our church is this, what if we were life-giving? Um, that's a word we like to use. And essentially life-giving, I think we can kind of define it like this. We want something for you, not something from you. In um, a life-giving person, when they have an interaction, we have relationships, they're not there just to see what they can get. They're actually there to see how they can give and what they can do to help others. And then we challenged last week, and said this, what if we were all life-giving people when it came to work? 'Cause I not know about you, but when I'm around people who are who are positive, who are upbeat, when they see life as as an opportunity to to succeed. I, I like that. And when I'm around people who, who literally suck, like the energy and the time from you, um, and, and like literally suck, right? They're, they're not fun at all. I try to avoid those people because there's this, this part of me is like, man, you're just sucking the life out of me. And so I know who the people I want to be around. I'm sure you do too. And I said, what if, what if we became those people that we want to be around and helped people in our, in our organizations, in our companies, in our workplace, in our home, and begin to live that out? All right, so that was last week, and we talked about that. So you can go catch up if you missed any of those. Um, and today, what I want to talk about. Really is now the last part of this is saying what, what if we focus on, on this thing, um, that we can control, which is our, our response to things. Um, I read this, uh, that only 10% of our happiness comes from circumstantial or external things. Um, this is research, right? So, scientific community has done a lot of research on what makes people happy. In fact, the questions they, they asked to get this research is, what makes people happy? And when people are happy, what causes it? And so a ton of research has gone into these things, which I I find fascinating. I'm reading these studies about people uh, because essentially all of us, we all want want better in life. We want better marriages, better jobs, um, uh, better uh, pay, uh, better relationships, um, better kids. We all want better, but a lot of times we don't always necessarily get that outcome. Um, And I think sometimes because we're focused on the wrong thing. Um, And so um, they said 10% of our happiness comes from external things. Uh, and guess what What they found in the studies? Guess what the majority of people focus on? You would think the 90 percent? Nope. They focus on the 10 percent because they think, uh, if I can get this, it, our thinking is like this. If only, right? If only um, I had more money, uh, then I'd be happy. Or if only I had um, a pr- certain job, a pr- particular job, or maybe I had that relationship or that house, or maybe I didn't have that relationship and I was single. Um, or if only I could retire or if, 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 or, or, or. Right? You can go on, you can add whatever to the blanks there. If only these, then I would actually be happy. The truth is, though, all those things are external things, um, and they don't make us happy. Um, it's only a 10%. And what they found is whenever you get those things, a brand-new car, um, maybe a brand-new spouse, uh, you get a 10% bump in happiness, the happiness index, right? That's it, a 10% bump. So you, you've, you've known this for a while. You drive off the lot with this nice car, and then what happens after a few weeks – the new car smell goes away, right? And the first bills come, and you're like, what? I have to pay how much for this car, and insurance what? And you're like, okay, the new smell kind of went away. Or um, the the honeymoon begins to, and like one lady said, uh, the new husband smell goes away after the first few weeks, right? It's like, it was so much fun, but now it's like, who is this guy, you know? And and we think if I only had these things, then I would be successful. I'd be happy. Um, uh, but but the truth is, if, if you weren't happy before that, you're not going to be happy after, Um It's it's kind of like um, I heard. I heard a, a story of a man. His family is driving from from one town. They're moving. They're trying to find a new town to go to. And they come into the city gates, and there's this man there, and he says, "Hey, we're thinking about moving to the city. Tell me about it." And the man at the gate says, "Well, tell me about the city you just came from." And the guy says, "Well, horrible. Our neighbors were horrible. They stole from us. Man, our city was just falling apart. We we hated it. We don't want anything to do with it." And the guy says, well, that's probably what you're going to find here too. And uh, so he says, oh, thank you so much for telling us. We're going to go on. So he sends them on to the next city. A few minutes later, another couple comes through and they're traveling and they're looking for a new place to stay. And they pull up to the same guy and they say, hey, we're looking for a new city to to move to. Uh, We want to know what, what your city's like. And the man, the wise man says, well, tell me a little about your last city you just left. And, and the guy says, well, it was awesome. Like, we hated to leave, but uh, it was just time for us to leave, and I, we have to get it, some, some things in order, and we're trying to, to get some things different. Definitely, but our neighbors are awesome. We love the city. We're part of these great communities. And the wise man says, you know, I think you're going to find that exact same thing in the city. Welcome to the city. Um, and the man comes in. The whole point of this is this is what you were before doesn't change just because there's a new set of whatever. You fill in the blank, right? New job, new new spouse, new whatever. It doesn't change because you're still the same person. You are who you are. Um, it, it, and, and that, that follows us. And so we are who we are outside circumstances. They don't change, um, who we are on the inside. And today I want to talk about that. So we've been using, um, oh, well, before I jump into scripture, the remaining 90% is made up by two things, our biological makeup, which is everything along the way that we've been, that's important been to us from, from parents, from, uh, different influences. Um, but that makes up a part of it. And then the rest of it is made up by a set of practices and behaviors and attitudes Attitudes that will actually make us happy. So the majority of that is actually made up by the choices we make, by the behaviors and the attitudes and the actions that we do. Um, So I would say, what if we focused on the things we could control rather than the things we can't? And if we're faithful in those things, I almost guarantee that the 10% that you're hoping, God will do way better than even the things you thought. It's not just a better job. It's a better you in that job. Um, It's a better marriage in that relationship. It's a better husband or wife in that, better parent, and he'll do that. So we've been using a scripture in Romans. I'm going to read this, Romans 12, and this has kind of been our anchor scripture for the whole series of saying we're made for Mondays. And Paul, Paul gets it. Uh, when you read the Bible, I, I always look for those characters to say, w- what was their understanding about the world? What was their worldview? What were they seeing? And Paul got this. He understood, like, he had a mission, he had a role, and he had, he had some things to accomplish. And he was always saying, God, help me to be on target. And as he wrote from prison to these letters to these different churches, he's saying, don't, don't miss this, um, what God has wanted to do. So in Romans 12, he says it like this. And I love the message translation paraphrase of this. He says, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, that's your sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. I don't want to rush past that too, too soon. He says this, don't become so well-adjusted. Don't just, don't just go with the flow. You know, that 64% that's, that's not happy with their job, they say, well, I feel like I'm on autopilot. I'm just going with the flow. Well, that's part of maybe why they don't like it, because they're just going with whatever's been instead of being intentional. And Paul says, man, don't just fit in without even thinking about it. Like, begin to think some new thoughts. Begin to think about what is happening in your life. He goes on and says this instead. So instead of just fitting in, instead of just going with the flow, fix your attention on God, right? Get a bigger perspective, and then you'll be changed from the inside out. Catch that. He's not saying from the outside, then everything on the outside is going to be changed. Rather, on the inside, things will begin to get changed. Um, not the outside, because it always starts on the inside. And he says, readily recognize what God wants for you and then quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of maturity. Because um, culture never drifts anywhere good, right? Nobody ever drifts anywhere good. And that's essentially what culture does. It's a stream that just kind of keeps going. But God brings up the best in you. He develops well-formed maturity in you. And notice where he's saying where the maturity comes from. It's from within, right? It's, it starts on the inside. In fact, I would say this. Life doesn't start externally it starts internally. We know this when, it, when we look at nature, right? You weren't born on the outside. You were born on the inside. Uh, a, a seed from your father and an egg from your mother came together and wham, right? Bam, you were there. Life began to start. And where was that on the inside? You couldn't see it for nine months. And then all of a sudden it was, it, it, you came out somehow. You came out, right? How we tell our kids, like, we just kind of comes out. So it, we came out and then we begin to live life, but it started somewhere in the inside. And the same is true about us this week, Monday. What's your Monday going to be like? I guarantee whatever on the inside is there, it's going to be produced during that week. It starts on the inside, not on the outside. And here's the truth. What I love about this means even if the outside circumstances are horrible, and even if somebody else comes in and is grumpy, it doesn't mean you have to be. It just means you have to say, okay, this week I'm intentionally doing some things to make sure I, I stay focused. I don't get off track. I don't let these things get me off track and lose, lose focus. Because the truth is, even myself, um, I want better and everything, but it's easy to get distracted. It's easy to get off course. It's easy to begin to focus on things that really don't matter. Um, and there's sometimes I, I find myself during the week, I'm thinking, man, I miss opportunities this week to, to, to whatever, make something better in my life, whether it was parenting or marriage or the church, because I'm distracted. I'm doing something else. And, and if, we, if we understand it's always on the inside, it'll help us produce on the outside. One of my favorite sayings is this, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. If you keep doing what you've been doing, you're going to keep getting the same results. So those 64% that don't like their job until they change something, and it's not externally. Sometimes it is, but usually it's when they change something on the inside is when they'll finally begin to make a difference. Instead of seeing people, um, I, I just remembered, um, um, trying to think of where this was at. I guess it doesn't really matter. But there's, there's a lady um, who has a job to do. Oh yeah, that's where it was. I won't tell you where it's at because you probably know this lady and you'll probably see her around town and that wouldn't be good. Anyways, so she has a job to do and she forgot her job is people, not food, um, and not keeping things clean and not that. And so she's a really mean lady to all the customers that come by to her little booth and, uh, uh, just not very pleasant to be around. You're thinking like, I don't think they explained your job to you very well uh, because you just pushed me away from all the things that you're selling. Cause I want nothing to do with those because you are not very nice. Um, because she's thinking externally, she, she doesn't realize there's something else going on there, but Nothing changes until you change something on the inside. The same thinking that gets us into our situations and into our problems um, won't get us out of it. Debt is a great example of this. Too many of us buy this idea that you can, you can borrow your way out of debt, right? But that's the same thinking that got you into that. You'll never get out of it. You have to change your mindset and begin to think something differently. Um, it's not going to be solved uh, with the same thing that you used to solve it, but it has to be something, something different. Um, they, they call us psychologists call us the growth mindset versus the um, the fixed mindset great book parents found a great book recommendation it's called Mindset by uh, Carolyn Dweck fabulous book about mindset and how we approach things and when you have a fixed mindset it means nothing can change you're just you're stuck that's the way things are but if you have a growth mindset you're always looking for opportunities to get better always looking for, for ways to, to see something more um, I love when, when I'm reading and when I'm studying I, I, I love to find ideas like this you know um, nothing, nothing and, um, and here's, here's what I also like to say is you won't change anything until you change your mind. Um, I, I read a story about this um, this young college student. Um, he was running late to class one day, and so he made it as a, as a, as a class ended. Um, he, he got there late and didn't, didn't make the class, and so um, he goes in and he looks at the board, and he sees this problem, math problem on the board. And so he thinks, okay, well, I missed class, but there's a math, the math problem my, my professor gave us, so I'm going to write it down. So he writes it down, and he takes it home to solve. And as he's home, um, he's he's working on this problem, and and he can't get the first day, he can't get the the second day. And so over and over, he's racking his brain trying to solve this problem. He's like, this is like the hardest problem I ever tried to solve. And eventually, he cracks this problem. And he brings it back to his professor and says, hey, professor, I I solved the math. Here's my homework. Sorry it took so long. That was a really hard problem. And the professor said, well, what what homework? He says, the other day, I missed class, but I snuck in. I saw the, the problem on the board, and I want to bring it to you. And the professor says, no, no, this can't be right. This is an unsolvable math problem. He says, well, it was really hard, but I think I solved it. And sure enough, the professor looks at it and he's like, oh, my goodness, you solved the unsolvable math problem. Here's the thing. The college student didn't, didn't know that that was an unsolvable math problem, so he didn't approach it like an unsolvable math problem. He approached it as homework that he had to overcome, something to conquer and so, yeah, it took him a long time, but he figured it out. This guy went on to, you know, help, I'm sure, design NASA stuff because this guy was brilliant. But it's an amazing story about how mindsets, they affect us and how we approach things are really important. And Paul's saying this. We have to pay attention to our thinking. We can't, we can't get stuck thinking that we're stuck and we're limited, but there has to be more. There's, there's something more we can do. And until we change our mind, we really won't see a lot of things change. And where's your mind? It's internally. It's not externally. The, the decisions and the attitudes and all that is external, but the thoughts and the attitudes are internally. And if you notice how every week we talked about something, it wasn't something externally, but it was always something internally. Our approach to life, what we're focused on, that's an internal decision. Our attitude, that's something on the inside, not on the outside. Generosity, it's on the inside, not on the outside. And so today I'm saying, what, what if we begin to say, God, help, help me, like Paul says in Romans 12, help me to have the right thinking. Help me to see things from your perspective. Help me to, to, to be challenged, to be able to, to learn more. Um, this last month, Proverbs says this. Proverbs 25 says, Though good, good advice lies, lies deep within the heart, a person with understanding will draw it out. Uh, this last month, I was on the bike for a light, and I, I, ride, I rode the 500 miles with uh, these other, other people around from the, from the state, and some from the different parts of the nation. And there was probably 21 of us that rode on this bike ride. And so every day, you know, you riding, you're riding for long stretches of time on, the, on your bike, 100 miles every day, and uh, you get to come alongside people and just talk. And so while you're riding, you're talking. If you're not on your phone, you're not crashing, right? Um, and so you know, we're riding together, and we're talking to have these great conversations. And what's awesome is I learned so much that week um i I rode next to a chemical engineer who was in, in saudi arabia for years and so we're riding and i'm asking questions about all kinds of things you know this guy's he's brilliant he's a chemical engineer um and we're just talking about stuff and then i'm riding next to a programmer you know we're talking about just life and things and i'm learning things and asking questions um another minute i'm next to a computer engineer this guy's pretty smart I'm encouraging him, trying to help him. Uh, Another moment, I'm next to a missionary, some pastors, different leaders, some really smart people. And then I have this opportunity right next to a a founder, a co-founder of a nonprofit, Convoy of Hope. So I'm right next to him, and we're having conversations on the bike, and then we're sitting together in the van. So I'm asking him questions. And here's the thing, I keep asking questions, I keep asking questions, and I got like six book recommendations, and I've already started going through them, they're awesome books, I'm like, this guy knows how to read books, I'm going to keep reaching out to this guy because he knows what good books are, and, and what I'm doing is I'm asking these questions, and during this, this, this week, you know, of, of doing some really good, I grew so much because I was looking for opportunities, you know, it's not just riding a bike, it's not just raising money, it's not just these things, those are important, but I'm saying, what else is here that I can glean from? And and the proverb says people that are wise are looking for those opportunities. It's these people that are not wise. So the opposite of this, if you read Proverbs, there's always this contrast. Here's the wise, here's the foolish person. So if a wise person is learning, trying to figure out how to draw things out of people and try to find the right advice, a foolish person thinks they know it all and they don't have to ask anybody anything. But those that are, and and what's interesting is I'm right next to this guy who's uh, twice my age, who's founded a great organization that that reaches around the world and does some great good for a lot of people. Um, Really smart. Uh, and I found out he, he knew Pastor Carl, so we were talking about our relationships, different people we knew, the same people. And as we talked to these, I'm, I'm, he's asking me questions. And I'm like, man, this guy is wanting to learn also. So I gave him some book recommendations, and I think I gave him even better book recommendations than he gave me because um, I, love, I love reading. And, but I'm, I'm digging this. I'm reading it out, and I got two, like, life changing ideas all right like when i say that i mean like literally like are the, pictures these things i've been working on like these pictures actually came and were formulated i'm like that's exactly what i wanted because of these conversations and anyways the whole point is this is nothing changes until we say we need a mind shift when it comes to work sometimes we need a change of mind when it comes to marriage when it comes to um to raising our kids to culture to handling money uh, we have to be able to say all right if i don't like where i'm at until i change something i'm going to continue be being in that spot so what needs to change? Um, one book that I read a long time ago, I remember this, this, there's this word that's really interesting. It's neoteny. Um, and I didn't even, it, it sounds like I, I'm, I'm making that word up, but it's, it's, this, it's a word that means it's the retention of youthful qualities by an adult. Mark Patterson, he wrote this book called In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day. Uh, fabulous, interesting title, but it's a great book. And um, he talks about this word um, that really it derives from a Greek word neos, which means new, fresh, or youthful. Um, and he, and he, he quotes this this other, these other writers in it. I thought the quote was great. I'm going to show you. Uh, this is from another book i never read, uh, but the quote is really about this word and what it means, not any. Uh, so from Geeks and Geezers by Warren Bennis and Robert Thomas, this is what they said about this word. Not any is more than retaining a youthful appearance, although it is often part of it. Uh, if you go to the next one for me, please. So nyotony is the retention of these wonderful qualities we associate with youth like curiosity, playfulness, eagerness, fearlessness, warmth, energy. Unlike those defeated by time and age, our geezers have remained much like our geeks. And so there are studies of how older people have, as they matured, they've actually done more with their life and gotten smarter and all that. This is the idea in the book he's talking about. So, so the older people, the, ge- the geezers, have remained much like the geeks. They're open, willing to take risks, hungry for knowledge and experience, courageous, eager to see what's an, what a new day brings. And the whole point of this word in this book he's talking about is as we age, what if instead of getting a fixed mindset where we just think life is the way it is, we have a growth mindset and say, I could always be learning. And so the idea is there's these – as we age, it's, it's possible to become younger in, in our approach to life, right? That's kind of like what he's talking about um, is that we have to stay open and young i remember reading this i thought to myself i hope i'm that kind of person when i'm 60 and 70 and 80 like i'm still asking questions like this man i rode next to on the bike he's asking questions he's learning he's growing and what's great i want to be around him because he has that outlook in life right he's not closed he's saying i can learn i can grow um matthew 18 jesus says it like this when it comes to our faith um he called the little children to him, he placed the children among him, he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change to become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. It's just the thing, there's an element to faith and to being a Christ follower that we actually have to become like children in our faith to really understand the kingdom of God. What does that mean? We can't be fixed and closed and say, this is all it is, but we're dreaming like kids. You know, as, as we all, the younger a kid is when they start talking, the more questions they ask. You know, sometimes when you're thinking like it's kind of annoying sometimes because there's why, why, why? What's this? What's that? But they're learning. They're saying, what is this world about? I want to learn. And what's sad is the older we get, the less questions we tend to ask others because we begin to have a fixed mindset. We begin to think that we know it all. And this scripture is saying, hey, if you're if you really want to know what the kingdom of God is about, it's staying young at heart. In fact, Mark Batterson, when we're talking about this, he it like this. He says conversion, you know, following Christ, it, it starts two different processes in our life. Christ likeness and childlikeness spiritual maturity is becoming more like christ and more like a little child i love that it's a great great idea as we mature in christ we're becoming more like him but we're also becoming more like kids what does that mean we're dreaming still we're asking questions we're eager to learn we have hope we have this like outlook in life like things can get better right like like kids have this optimism like i think i think it's going to be okay it's going to be great if i can only get to that and they dream about things And, and that's what he's saying is if we would stay young um during this during this 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 um series i was studying for i came across an interesting story um I, it's it's a it's a really fascinating story to me um uh, because it's about um ultra marathoner all right his name his name is um uh cliff young um and this what's interesting is some ultra marathoners they run long distances over so many days right so a marathon is like one day ultra marathoners are running these these massive dis- distances and so this man cliff young he's from australia He's 61 years old. All right. Sixty one years old. He enters into an ultra marathon um, in Australia. And and so they're going to be running five hundred and thirty four point seven miles in this in the span of this marathon. Um, And so he signs up and uh, here comes this 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 older man, 61. He's probably twice the age as as all the other runners. He's not dressed like them. He looks different Um, and, and he shows up. And and what's interesting is is he comes to this to this race and everybody's like hey you're here to watch He's like no I'm here to enter the race and like well have you run before it's like no I've never been in a race I thought it'd be interesting I just thought I can do this and so he started run, running at 57 like you know for for fun and uh, wanted to get in this race and so this is what he says about it they're like you sure you can do this he says yes I can uh, they told him you're crazy there's no way you can finish this race which he replied he says yes I can. See, I grew up on a farm where we couldn't afford horses or tractors. And the whole time I was growing up, whenever the storms would roll in, I'd have to go out and round up the sheep. We had 2,000 sheep on 2,000 acres. Sometimes I'd have to run those sheep for two or three days. It took a long time, but I'd always catch them. I believe I can, I can run this race, is what he says. So he's saying, I, I think I can do this. And so um, he enters the marathon. And here's the thing about, about Cliff. Nobody told him how ultra-marathoners run. Right. And so all the runners, you know, whatever the gun goes off, they all start running like normal runners. Cliff just starts kind of shuffling. You do see Cliff just kind of like running here. I'm going to show you a video in a second. Um, Just a shuffle, a slow shuffle. So they're thinking like, this guy's really crazy. He's not going to make it. Well, something they didn't tell Cliff is ultra marathoners run um, 18, 18 hours straight and then they sleep for six hours. Well, he didn't know that. Um, So when everybody else went to bed, what did Cliff do? He kept on running, right? It's like gum Gump, right? Like run, Forrest, run. And so he just kept on running, kept on running. He'd, he'd take a few hours of sleep during some of, the, some of the nights. But he was used to this, being a sheep herder, running around for two or three days at a time. And so nobody told him this. And so the first day, he was far behind. And then by the, by the second day, he already I think he had caught up. And then by the third day, he was way in front. And what's amazing is, is Cliff Young, he, um, he won the ultra marathon. But here's what's interesting. He broke the record by two days, which is that's just amazing. Right. It's unheard of. Like what in the world? And he beat the next guy that was closest to him by one day, um, which is just it's just, it's a crazy story. Right. Sixty one year old guy. He's running, doing awesome. He wins this race. And then he gets to the end of the race and they give him a check for ten thousand dollars. He's like, what's this? Like, What's your prize? And he didn't run. for. He's like, I, I don't need that. So he he shares it among the other runners he, like, gives his winnings away to share it with them and their families, which is pretty incredible, this whole story. Um, anyways, I think you probably want to see some video of this guy. It's pretty awesome. Um, would you play that video for me? Now, when I say elite sportsman, you automatically think of a 61-year-old potato f- Sometimes you have events that sort of uh, tickle a nation's funny bone or something grabs their attention. And with Cliff Young, it, it appealed to us on so many different levels. And he used to run in gumboots, he was the worst sports person we've ever had. These days, of course, you know, Nike would have been there getting very special slip gumboots. Cliff Young was, as his name suggested, young at heart. He embodied the never say die attitude that many aspire to, but few achieve. What the interesting thing about Cliff Young is, is that he wanted to do it. And it was remarkable what he did. How he didn't cheat, he actually did it. (laughs) So. <laughs> if you missed that, he's like, ah, no, I don't think so. He actually did. He tried it the next couple of years, um, which is interesting. Whenever there's six runners in a race, that should be an indication that this is a really hard race because there's not masses of people signing up. Um, the Cliff Shuffle, that's like now a known technique for these ultramarathoners because it uses less energy. Which is interesting, right? Like nobody taught him, told him the rules for this, and because he didn't know, he had a mindset that was fixed on that. He was able to think beyond that. What if we begin to think something differently? Here's a question I have for you: Is when's the last time you did something for the first time? When's the last time you had a new thought about something? Maybe that's part of our problem: is we keep thinking the same thoughts about the same things that we're frustrated about, and maybe we need to step away and say, okay. What, what can I do differently here? Instead of banging my head against the wall over and over, hoping for something different, what can I do differently in this situation? What can I try? And then we begin to, to live that out. So the question I asked, you know, we kept saying, if only I had these things. The question I would say is this, what if? What if this week, instead of dreading Monday, you went in saying, what, could, what difference could I make in this, in this environment? What can, I, what can I use my life for to make a difference here? Um, don't let what's, what's comfortable keep you from what's best. And don't let fear keep you from success. And don't let excuses keep you from going after your dreams. Don't let those things stop you. Keep, keep 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 dreaming. Keep like a little kid, right? Our hearts are saying, man, what else in life can we accomplish? What more can we do? Instead of just saying just all, all, only this, but what more? So here's my challenge for our week, all right? Would you make growth a part of your weekly routine? What does growth look like? Asking a lot of questions. Being hungry, being open to learn, uh, staying open, staying young, asking asking others to learn and to grow. That's so. That's, that's my challenge for us today. This week, when when it comes to Made for Monday, if you'd ask the question, what what could this week be like? What if I lived a little differently? What if I had some new thoughts? What if I begin to to open my life up to the things God has for me and I stop making excuses? What if I focused on the things I can control rather than things I can't control? You probably heard it said right. Ninety percent of ten uh, percent of what uh, life is ten percent of what happens to us, and ninety percent of how we respond. That's exactly what the, what the research, the scientific community says to us. It's 10% of the external and 90% of the internal. So I would say we need to begin to say, God, help me in my life to be able to change from the inside out. Help me to know what to do in these situations. That's why we meet on Sundays. We're challenging us to say, what if we live from the inside out? What if we let generosity be there? What if we let a positive outlook and a positive attitude be there? What if we were open to say, God, whatever you have for my life? I know today as we end our service, one of the things that we, we do every week is, is we give an opportunity for those that are at this point right now saying, you know what, I, I hear what you're saying, and I need to take that step towards God. Uh, see, the Bible uses this word called repentance. Right? In the Old Testament, it means to turn back to God. Um, and In the New Testament, it means to have a, have a, new, a new thought process, a change of mind. Um, I love the word because this, this idea of repentance means you've been going down the wrong path for a long time. All right? And You're, you're going you're away from God's best, and you're going your own way. And God says at some point in your life, if you want my best, you have to follow my lead. And repentance means this, that we turn from the way we're going and we say, God, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to return to your way. I'm going to re- repent. I'm going to turn away from those things like a U-turn. You find yourself going the wrong down the wrong street and your map is saying the other way. It tells you to U-turn, right? That's what repentance says: It's a U-turn saying I'm no longer going this way, but I'm going to start going this way. And that's the first part of our new new thought process in life is God, I, I don't like the results I'm getting so help me to have a change of heart and a change of mind so i could begin to go your way and so today there's people in this room you've been going your way for a long time um, and and you see things aren't working you need something different well god invites us on this journey he says if you will just turn your life over to me if you'll turn your 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 direction my way i'll lead you on this journey so i mean a a christian just means being somebody who's following christ it means you're no longer going your own way but you're going his way and today if you're here i would love to give you an opportunity to say i want to follow his way I want to be that kind of person that makes a difference in this world. So do me a favor. Would you close your eyes and bow your head as we end our service today? And if you're here today and you would say, that's me, um, I need to turn my life over to God. I need to invite him in. I want his help so I can become everything he wants me to become. So the Bible says if we will confess that we're off track, that we've sinned, that we've made mistakes, if if we open our life to God, he'll come and he'll help us on this journey. He'll forgive us of our past. He'll forgive us of our sin. and He'll give us a new start at life. It's a beautiful picture the Bible paints. If that's you today, you're saying, I need a new start. Would you let me know just by lifting your hand? Awesome. I won't call you down to the front, just where you're at, leading you to prayer. Awesome. I see your hands. Anybody else? More opportunities that you're here today and say, I need a new start. I need to go God's way. All right. For all you that raised your hand, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. It's just a simple invitation for relationship is what it is. If you're a Christian and Christ follower in the room, would you join in praying with with these that raise their hands, they're not praying alone. Uh, so, so, repeat this prayer with me, all of you that raise your hand, and uh, just say this say Father God, today I acknowledge that I'm off track and I need your help. Forgive me of my sins, of my choices that have kept me away from your best. I invite you into my life today. I believe you sent your son, Jesus, to die on that cross in my place so I could have a new life. So I invite you into my life today. I put my trust in you. I want to follow your lead. Help me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate those that pray that prayer?